Sign my name, good Lord, no, I've been changed. Sign my name. I stepped in the water. The water was cold. It chilled my body, but not my soul. Good Lord, I, I, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. And let us turn our attention to verses 16 through 18. Verses 16 through 18. Starting at verse 16 of Matthew chapter 6, you will find these words. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face 
so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. I want to talk to you a few moments from the thought, fasting for nothing. Fasting for nothing. Amen. We have noticed in our series of lessons on the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. We, we have discussed and realized that Matthew was writing to his readers, to his audience, to portray Jesus as king. King of kings and lord of lords, and specifically a king of a kingdom. Not the kingdom of this world, but a kingdom to come. For Matthew records that Jesus at another place said, To Pilate, yes, I am a king, rightly you say. But my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would not allow me to be offered up. He said, but my kingdom is not of this realm. So Matthew portrays Jesus as king of a kingdom that's not of this world. And as we have seen in our our lesson, in our series of sermons that The requirements and the the expectations of the king for his kingdom is so much different than this world. We found that in most points and in most ways, it's 180 degrees opposite of the world. The kingdom's rules and requirements, the law of the kingdom of God is diametrically opposed to this world's. Requirements, how the world likes to operate. And so Jesus leaves his manifesto for us to understand how we're to operate in this world. Our citizenship, once you put your faith in Jesus Christ and ask the Lord to come live in your heart, and he makes that change, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things passed away, all things become new, you have changed citizenship. You have stepped out of time into eternity. You have been taken out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Everything is diametrically opposed to where you used to be. So the problem becomes is when Christians or those who represent God act like the world. Because what happens is we become failures as ambassadors for Christ. What if the ambassador of the United States to Russia went to Russia and acted just like a Russian? Would there be any reason why any Russian would want to become an American citizen? They basically say, why do I need to go to America when America is just like here? And so that's the same problem in the church. If we conduct ourselves just like the world does, then the world has no reason to ask the question, why do I want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God when the kingdom of God is just like here? 
So it once again calls our attention to the responsibility, Deacon Johnson, for us to live like kingdom citizens. So it is prudent for us saints of God to understand what the requirements of, of citizenship in the kingdom is so that we can operate like citizens from this faraway land. Amen. And so Jesus, for three years, amen, he, 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 he taught about the kingdom. He, he walked with his disciples and he, he taught the multitudes in large numbers about what it meant to be part of the kingdom. But he also came up against the so-called leaders of the church of that time who were hypocrites and that they were leading folks away from God instead of leading them to him. Jesus had a real disdain for that because we see even in this text, he says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. With those of us that have been here in this series of lessons, we've seen the same hypocrisy in prayer. We've seen the same hypocrisy, amen, in giving. And Jesus calls out these religious leaders as hypocrites because they say and they act one way, but they're really another. There's no worse poison in the church than hypocrisy. That's why Jesus teaches on it so much and condemns it. Because when you're a hypocrite, you may think you're hiding it, but folk can see through it. Folk can see through when you really have a genuine heart for God or you're just playing games. Because you may fool some of the people some of the time, but you're not going to fool all of the people all of the time. See, sometimes your mask is going to fall off. Sometimes they're going to find you in position to where they see your true identity. They say, wait a minute, what kind of lover of God is that? Wait a minute. When they're one way, one minute, and another, another. Wait a minute, they're doing underhanded deals over here, but they're saying praise and hallelujah and dressed up in their nice clothes on Sunday. What? There's a problem here. See, Christianity, see, living as a child of God requires us to live this way all the time. See, I have met professing Christians along the way who have said, well, you don't have to be a Christian all the time. I, and I said, I don't know where you found that because the scripture in Jesus tells us we need to be authentic and we need to be authentic all the time. It's not good enough to be when it's convenient to us to be a Christian. When we're around other Christians and bless the Lord and highly favored, but when we're out in the world now, we do what the flesh wants to do. Amen. That is not a kingdom citizen. Amen. So Jesus is calling out that kind of hypocrisy. Amen. He's calling out especially the leaders who are leading folks astray with their hypocritical activities that are supposed to be all about the Lord. They're giving. They wanted to show everybody how much they could give. Amen. And the Lord was like, I'm not receiving that offering because you're not giving it to me. You're giving it so that you can have a great uh, reputation of a giver amongst men. He said, yeah, you guys praying, but when you're in your secret place, you're not praying to me at all. And when you're outward, you're praying, but them prayers are not coming to me. 
You're praying them so that other folks can hear how well you pray, what kind of big words and how fluent and flowery your prayers are. But it's not about talking with me. And so here we come once again to another activity, to another task that we do in the church. Amen. We do as part of the life as a believer, and that is fasting. But fasting is really interesting. Amen. As I did a little study on fasting, amen, I find out that fasting is not a requirement from the Lord. The only time that fasting was a requirement was in the Old Testament, amen, on the Day of Atonement, amen, that they were required to fast. But outside of that, in any other particular scenario, it was not a requirement. But isn't it interesting to find out that so many of the characters that we find in the Bible, so many of God's folks, they did fast. Not because they were required, but because they wanted to. I think we're going to find out a little more about fasting this afternoon to get a, a better understanding about what fasting is really all about. We look at this text and we see that uh, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Fasting for nothing. The religious leaders, they wanted to have men's praise. They wanted men to say how well they did the things of, the, of God. They were so godly. They were so holy. I mean, they said, we can see how much he's fasting. Amen. We see that they, they came to the marketplace with the feast days and when many people were coming so that they would have big crowds and so they disheveled their hair and they, they, they looked so sad and gloomy so that folks would know that they're going through something. Amen. Oh, we're going, we're fasting and we're going through and we're hungry and we're just, we're just weak. So they focus say, oh my goodness, look how they're suffering and they're fasting for the Lord. Oh, how holy they are. And, and that might not be us today in this way, but if you really look deep inside yourself and you look at scenarios in your own life and you look at some of the things that you might say, we are tempted as well to look for the approval of men. Amen. We can easily get into talking about how we do such and such and how somebody else doesn't. Amen. Well, that's no different than this. Once again, it's to push one set of people up and to push everybody else down. Amen. The leaders, the religious leaders of that day wanted to be up and everybody else to be down because they wanted to be so much more holier than everybody else. But Jesus fixed this problem. Jesus fixed this real good, amen, when he said this in chapter 5, verse 20. He said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. I love the way Jesus has a way of fixing some stuff 
when folk trying to set themselves up to be better than everybody else. Jesus says, okay, you want to set yourself up to be better than everybody else? Well, I'm going to set your best as not enough to be righteous either. I'm going to set up your best to be nothing but filthy rags. I'm going to set up your best to leave you at most outside of the walls of the kingdom. Because it says, by no means will they enter the kingdom of God. So that, that, that gives a perplexing issue for the listeners of the Sermon on the Mount because they viewed the scribes and Pharisees of being so holy. So then they're like, well, how can we enter in? Well, Jesus Christ continues to teach and continues to let them know as, as the story goes on, as the requirements go on, that it has never been in their works in the first place. It's always been about their belief and trust and reliance on the Messiah anyway. Because nobody else would be able to fulfill the law in the first place, only Jesus. And that when they put their faith in him and rely on him, that they become one in him and they fulfill it through Jesus Christ. Amen. That while the Pharisees are trying to do all that they're doing, learning the 613 laws and, and giving above and beyond monetarily than others could and fasting and looking disheveled and praying long prayers and repetition and all of that was going on, they were doing it all for nothing. That's what Jesus says when they have their reward. See, their reward in totality is the praise of men. Not the praise of God. And, and you don't want the praise of men. It is better for men to revile you and God to be pleased with you than for men to be pleased with you and to God to revile you. Amen. 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 And so as we go on in our text, he says to the listeners, in opposition to the leaders, y'all see that? It's almost as if I know there were some leaders around there listening, but Jesus is making sure I'm talking to somebody else. Not to you hypocritical religious leaders who want no more than for me to die. He said, but I'm talking to the rest of you who have been fooled by these religious ways of these leaders who are hypocrites in reality. He says, when you fast, he says, anoint your head and wash your face. He says, don't go out here looking like you fasting. Don't go out here looking like you're going through so that folks can say, oh, my, how, how, how well you're doing in the Lord, how much you're sacrificing for the Lord. Folk ought not even know you fasting. You ought to look as good as if you had a good meal that day. Amen. Your hair ought to be straight. You ought to be anointed. You ought to smell right. You ought, you ought to have your clothes on right. Everything should be straight and it looks like you're not fasting at all. Why? Well, the text lets us see that she says, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. See, that's it right there. God, fasting is not for men. Fasting is for God. And God is saying this is something that should be going personally and secretly between me and you. Amen. He says, he says, but your father in heaven, he says, but your father who in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
See, God wants to use the time that we fast as a time at which God sees our sincerity about him. Amen. And God wants us to do that in secret, and then God will do the blessing openly. See, God will be able to bless you, and the world will know that you got the favor of the Lord on you. But you don't want to how to try to set this up for yourself. Let go into the secret place and let the Lord reward you openly. But at this point, we, we have to ask some questions about fasting. We, we found out that fasting is not required for the New Testament church, amen? But we find that it must be beneficial because of the history of those saints of God through the years who practiced fasting. So what is fasting about in the first place? Fasting is a spiritual thing. You know, the world may use fasting for a diet plan or some kind of cleansing plan, amen, and that's good. But it has its reward, which is short. Because a man born of a woman's life is what? Short and full of trouble. But fasting has eternal ramifications when it's done right. The reason why any individual believer should fast is because they are looking for something from the Lord that they don't normally get. Amen. And it's a spiritual thing. Amen. Esther fasted before she went to the king to ask that the king undo the things of Haman so that the Jewish people would not be destroyed. Esther would not go to the king with requests like this every day. Amen. She needed some supernatural power when she reached the king. Because most likely with a request like that, she could have been killed. So she fasted because she needed a king that was above this king. Amen. She needed something from the king of kings and the lord of lords. So we see that fasting comes in when there's something that needs to go above and beyond that which you normally do. Amen. Amen. We find in the, in the Bible that fasting comes in some really precarious situations. Amen. Amen. We find that the disciples were supposed to uh, uh, cast out a demon. Amen. And there were some folks alongside there looking and saying to Jesus, why did not your disciples, why did they not have the ability to cast out these demons? And Jesus said, for the disciples understanding as well, that some things only come by prayer and fasting. That's another thing about fasting is that fasting should be coupled and in partnership with prayer. Because if you're just fasting without connecting with the God that we are fasting to, then we are fasting for nothing. God says you have not because you ask not. If you're going to fast and don't ask, then you still have not. Amen? But you want to fast to show God how 
important this is, how serious you are about this. You're saying, I want to deny myself, Lord. I want to deny something from myself that I can be closer to you. That's what fasting is all about. And to be closer with the Lord, you got to put some prayer with it. Amen? So there are some supernatural things that God puts in our lives to do, amen, that we can't get done without both prayer and fasting. Amen. Amen. Sometimes that there's situations that come up in my life that I know that there's a mission work that God has me on and that I see that the work is so arduous or, or so huge that I go into fasting and prayer with the Lord because I need him to show up in a more special way. Amen. For the task at hand. And every born again believer, every woman and every man of God, there will be a time when something is put in your way that you realize that it's more than a world against you. But the thing that you know that greater is he that's in you than he is in the world. That you know if God is for you, then who can be against you? So it's at those times when you need to go up to another level, amen, that you go into prayer and into fasting saying, Lord, I need you to show up in a special way. I need you to show up in a most magnificent way to overcome the obstacles that are in my way. And Lord, I'm showing you that I'm putting myself aside so I can get close to you. I'm putting myself aside, oh Lord, that you will dwell in me and that you will do for me this great thing. Because I cannot do it myself. This is a special thing. This is something above and beyond. Amen. And for those disciples that day, dealing with that demoniac, they needed to be fasting. Because this wasn't no simple task. Amen. These demons had a stronghold and they needed to be casted out. And that Jesus said, in this work, you're going to have to do some fasting and prayer. Amen. And in the work that we want to do for the Lord, when we go out and we try to minister to folks and try to talk to them about Jesus, sometimes we got to realize that we need to do some fasting and praying before we do any saying. Amen. Because we're talking about folks getting changed. We're talking about folks leaving the darkness and coming into the light. We don't even know where the darkness begins or the light ends. Amen. Only God knows these things. So when we enter this work, we have to be about prayer and fasting. But as I get ready to close our lesson on this hypocrisy of fasting, I think there's something else here that'll be very instructive for the saints of God as it relates to fasting. What else needs to go on when you fast that is what God is pleased with? If you would go with me, amen, if you can, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. The book of Isaiah, chapter 58. God made some comments through the prophet Isaiah that's really instructive and actually it can be shocking when you realize what God is really looking for in fasting. In Isaiah 58, starting at verse 5, we find these words. 
Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring your house to the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover them, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of the wickedness. Fasting is not acceptable to the Lord unless you have the right heart, the right mind, and the right life. See, God condemned his listeners here in Isaiah in Israel because they were being hypocritical about their fasting even in Isaiah's time. See, when we open this up, we see how they were afflicting themselves and having their heads bowed down and spread in sackcloth and ashes. Everything about that looks right. Amen. Because we see on multiple occasions that when folks were repenting, they got in sackcloth and ashes. But we find here that God looks past the outward appearance and looks at the heart. And he saw that all of these actions were hypocritical. And he says, this is not what I receive. But he says, now what I want you to do if you're going to really fast is go out and look how you can release your brother or your sister from the problems that they're going through to get them out of the bonds of wickedness. He says, there's some folk out here who don't have father or mother. How about being a father or mother to them? He said, there's some folk out here who don't have a place to stay. How about bringing your house to them? He said, there's some folks out here who doesn't have food or drink. How about taking some of your food and drink to them? This is the fast that I'm calling for. The Lord is saying, until you are those who have compassion on others, your fasting is in vain. If all your fasting is is academic and nobody's being helped because of it, then you're not fasting at all. So our fasting should be about somebody else. It should be about the one another's. It should be about helping the others. Our prayers and our fasting should be in supplication for somebody else. This is what the Lord is looking for. God has not left us here just to look pretty. Amen. He's left us here to be his representatives and to reach out for those who have fallen down. Amen. There are folks
folks who, who are hungry and there are folks who are sick. And God has blessed us with resources and he wants us to use them to help somebody else. Because God knows through those reaches of love that somebody's going to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? But if we're always inward focused, amen, then we can't be outwardly focused and build the kingdom of God. And so the Lord is saying to us, unless your fasting is accompanied with the right heart and right actions, then you're fasting for nothing. Unless it's about touching somebody else and helping somebody else, then you might as well not fast. Because this is the fast that I have chosen. I have chosen a fast to reach out to the downtrodden. I've chosen a fast to get out to those who are marginalized. I've chosen a fast to those who are caught up in drugs and alcohol and need a way out. I've chosen a fast for little boys and little girls who don't know of me that that word might get to them. That there is a reality in serving a true and living God. I've chosen a fast. I've chosen a fast for that man or that woman, that child who's without home, without shelter. I've chosen a fast. I've chosen a fast for my people who are called by my name to humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and then Oh, and then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Saints of God today, it's not about an activity, a religious ceremony, but it's about denying ourselves for somebody else, showing the Lord that we have his same heart. For God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died. So therefore, you and I should be able to go out to little sinners and big sinners and tell them about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for us. That they might hear and believe on our Savior Turn from their wicked ways and receive the gift of God. Because one of these old days, and it won't be very long, that my Jesus and your Jesus is coming back for his church. And he wants to know that we have been faithful over a few things. He wants to bless us with many things. But if we take the gift that God has given us, the opportunity to tell somebody about the Lord and put it under a bushel basket and only be concerned about ourselves, then we have done all for nothing and there's no reward for us. But while the blood is running warm in our veins, 
Let us push on in the power of the Lord. Let us keep reaching out. Let us keep telling folks about the goodness of Jesus. Let us keep letting them know that there is a reality in serving a true and living God. And one of these old days, one of these old days, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. And they that remain shall be caught up in the air. Ain't that good news? But while it is yet day, we need to be at work because night cometh, no man can work. And in that day, we want to be able to present to God his crown and jewels. Every boy and every girl, every man and every woman who's accepted him as their savior and their lord but our responsibility today saints is to carry this gospel message because it is us that he has given this responsibility and that word that one of these days it's all gonna be over one of these days we're gonna stick our swords in the sand of time to study war no more who will that be that God calls faithful? Who will that be that has done his will? Who will that be who hasn't fasted for nothing, but fasted for the things of God? Today is the day to make sure our hearts are right and our actions are poor, so that God will be pleased in that great getting up morning. That he will smile and say, Servant, servant, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now enter into the joy of the Lord. Ain't that all right, children? Ain't that all right? Say yes, yes. I'm looking toward that day. When my Savior and your Savior comes back, that when my work is done down here, that I won't have to work here no more, that there'll be no more crying and no more dying, there'll be no more pain and be no more suffering. It'll be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. Ain't that all right? Say yes, yes. Yes, that's going to be all right, children, one of these days. Praise the name of the Lord. And now we open the doors of the church. If there be anyone here who doesn't know our Savior and our Lord, if there's anyone here who really doesn't have a relationship with God, Today we ask that you come forth and give your heart to the Lord. Don't sit there another minute, another second. Come while the blood is running warm in your veins. You don't know if you got another hour. Because another hour is not promised. More or less another day. But you can come to the Lord right now, just as you are. Without one plea, because Jesus has done it all for you and for me, you can come today. Come on to Jesus.
Make up your mind. Come unto Jesus. Why? God as we prepare to for our benediction amen as my hope and prayer that something was said today amen that would encourage us along the way amen that will keep our minds stayed on Jesus as we go through the days of our lives amen because we got a great work to do amen and we don't have long whether we got 10 15 20 30 50 60 80 years that's still only a little time in the grand scheme of things. And I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the faster things seems to go. Years turn into decades. Amen. And you start to say, where did those years go? So while it is called now, we have to get about the Father's business. Amen. While we still have time. Amen. 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 And want to say as we get prepared for our benediction, amen. It's good to see our, our junior ushers on post. Amen. They did a great job today, didn't they? Amen. <laughs> amen. Along with the leadership there of Sister Carter. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So if all minds and hearts are clear, amen. Let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Where he leads me
we come to you once again to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to come and to praise your holy name. Thank you for another opportunity for us to come and to proclaim your glory, oh God. Lord, to, to witness your spirit, Lord, and to, to learn of your word. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, keep us, Lord, in the midst of all of our challenges. Lord, let us not become weary in well-doing. Amen. Because we know in the end we will have our true reward. So, Master, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you continue to anoint every head under the sound of my voice. To keep them moving in the direction that you would have us to move, O oh God. Let us keep pressing on into the harvest. For the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And Lord, as our infrastructure issues in the church as well, O oh God. Lord, I know you got it all in your hands. But Lord, we're going to continue to ask, believing that we shall receive, O oh God. Lord, as we endeavor to, to, to work with our vacation Bible school and try to get that going. Lord, go before us, O oh God. So that it be all that you would have it to be. And Lord, keep the Wheeler and the White and the Stevens family. Lord, keep them in your care. Lord, as we're praying for them, oh God. Lord, keep these families, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Keep the family whose family got burned up in the fire, Lord. Have mercy in the name of Jesus. Lord, keep the drug addict and the dope dealer. Lord, keep all of them, Lord, because you got the power to turn them around. And so we call it all in your name. And Lord, as we prepare to give in our offering, oh God, and our tithes, oh God, Lord, let us give our tithes cheerful. Lord, let us, let this tithe be used, oh God, and this offering be used for the edification of your kingdom, oh God. That it be used for kingdom building, oh God, in whichever way you would have us to do. Lord, continue to bless the leadership of this church, oh God. Lord, because we can't do it without you, oh God. So Lord, we want to give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, these things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. Amen. Please be seated and obey the ushers. Amen. <laughs>